going to get straight into the, the message this morning. I really feel God uh, wants to do something uh, with us today, church. I was standing over here uh, when I was just uh, waiting if anyone wanted prayer and just this emotion of compassion uh, came over me. And I already love you guys. I love this church. I love this place. I love the family of God. There's a deep compassion. I know where that stems from. It's the heart of Jesus. And so I know he wants to do something today. And, uh, you know, I'm out there, I'm telling the host team to shh, be quiet, because I'm trying to listen to Danielle talking about the alabaster jar. And uh, anyways, Danny, you pray to the same God I pray to, because we're going we're gonna to start in Luke chapter 7, when Jesus was anointed by a sinful woman. And uh, I've entitled the message, Crushed, But Not Destroyed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're here for you and we're here because of you. And so, God, I pray that today we would encounter you. Lord, that we would walk out closer to you, more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Right, you can follow on the screen or you can uh, scroll or flip with me. Luke chapter 7, we'll start in verses 36. We're going to read to verse 50. It goes like this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. And her tears fell on his feet, and then she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing... Sorry. (laughs) Amen. Man, scripture. All right, I'll keep reading. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. (laughs) Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't get me, sorry, greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven." So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. It's in the crushing that victory is made possible. In this moment for this woman, she had endured a lot. The Pharisee had endured what seems to be a little. 
And so not understanding the extravagance of the love that was being poured out toward Jesus and starts thinking thoughts and Jesus answering those thoughts already, I would have, you know, been, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're listening to something I'm pretty confident was not audibly spoken, but you heard it and he answered it. But then even towards the end of Jesus's response to this story of this man cancelling these two debts, one large and one small, he then goes on to essentially say, Simon, you, you've, you've not sinned much, so you've, you've only needed a little bit of forgiveness. He didn't, he didn't exactly say his name, but the statement was directed towards Simon and, and possibly other people around the table. I think in that moment, he would, have, he would have had to have checked his heart, checked his spirit and gone, wow, there's a moment here that I could be engaging in. There is obviously clearly more to relationship with Jesus than what I have. And I think Jesus was trying to welcome him in. Every, every time, Jesus is not against people. He was never against all of the, the Pharisees, he wanted their salvation as well. He came for the whole world. He was against their attitude, sure. He was against their way of life. Yeah, he came with an, a new teaching, a new revelation, a new way, a new covenant. Yes. He wasn't against the human being sitting in front of him. And today, church, he's not against you. Despite anything that you and I have done here, it's not a coming against us. It's a coming alongside of us. It's a championing us. It's a desire to have the level of intimacy with us that he wants to have with every single human. You know, for this woman, enduring probably a life of crushing, really. But it was Jesus who was able to restore her at all. Have you ever endured a crushing? A crushing of your soul, maybe a a moment in your life where your pride has been crushed or your dreams have been crushed or your ideals have been crushed. It's difficult to go through the crushing. But I want to put to you today that the crushing is required. But it's not a destroying crushing. It's an opening. It's a cracking. It's a, it's a breaking down of the outside. It's a breaking down of man. It's a breaking down of the flesh so that the spirit can come alive, so that the spirit can rise up above the flesh. Crushed, but not destroyed. Amen? See, crushing is a process. It doesn't just happen. Force is required to crush something. And the crushing is what enables stuff to come out. It's like oil and wine. It's produced through a process of crushing. Very significant in the Bible. You know, I believe it's 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 extremely pertinent to this. But it's 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 an interesting miracle to first perform by Jesus that he would turn water into wine. There was a statement being made by Jesus that there was new life, that there was a new covenant, that there is new wine, that there is new in our relationship with Jesus. There's also the wine that Jesus said, I'm not going to drink this again. I'm not going not to touch it. When he brought communion for us, I'm not going to touch this again until it's all completed. The process of, of the crushing is important. For wine, a wine press is used. 
It's a device that's used to extract the juice from crushed grapes during winemaking. There are a number of different styles of presses that are used by winemakers, but their overall functionality is the same. Each style of press exerts controlled pressure in order to free the juice from the fruit. In this case, grapes. The pressure must be controlled. It can't just be a smashing of the grapes because then it causes the seeds to also be crushed. The parts within that cause new life to come so that it can continue. It's enough controlled pressure so that the good comes out, but the seed remains. Otherwise, it causes undesirable tannins into the wine and it it can cause a bitterness to come out. That's not the crushing of Jesus. It's a different type of crushing. Wine was being made, they believe, for at least as long as 4,000 BC. In 2011, a wine press was unearthed in Armenia with red wine dated 6,000 years old. It's a similar process for, for olive oil. People have used olive presses since Greeks first began pressing olives, they believe, approximately just over 5,000 years ago. An olive press works by applying controlled pressure to olive paste to separate the liquid oil and vegetation water from the solid material. First, the olives are ground into a paste using large millstones, and then the olive paste, it generally stays under the stones for about 30 to 40 minutes. This has three objectives. There's a reason to stay in the crushing. That's what they're saying. Number one, it, al- and it ensures the olives are well ground. Number two, it allows enough time for the olive drops to join to form the largest drops of oil possible. Number three, it allows the fruit enzymes to produce some of the oil aromas and taste that we love. The paste is then spread out over discs, which are then pressed again to force the oil and vegetation liquid out, which is then easily separated. Church, there is a great benefit to allowing the crushing and the pressing of God. God's hand is a hand of control. It's like discipline. God, in His Word, says that He chastises those whom He loves. He he rebukes, He chastises, he disciplines, he corrects the children of God. And it goes as far as saying that if you are not corrected, you are an illegitimate son. There there is a reason and a rhyme for the crushing process in our life because of what it produces. I think that especially in, in Western church, in the Western world, we don't really like the crushing. And we try and avoid it at all costs. We try to get away from the breaking down, the breaking open, because it's not not clean cut, it's not nice, it's not necessarily enjoyable, it's not pretty to look at. But can I encourage you that what it produces is worth the process. That what we go through is worth the process of what God wants to draw out of us because it's not just for us, it's for all of those around us to enjoy. I want to encourage you, don't stop the crushing. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. There's a rescuing in God's heart and it's for those 
who are crushed. Psalm 34, 18, if you stop him from pressing you, if you stop him from crushing you, what's within you can't come out. The pressing is uncomfortable, but it leads to the crushing, and the crushing releases the fruit, the power, the love, the life, the joy that God wants to have freely flowing in our life. Think of this, if you don't break the skin, you don't taste the flavor. The fragrance of the flower, the timber, the moss, it's released when it's crushed under weight. When you crush the stone and the plant and you add water, you get the pigment that is the beginning of a masterpiece. When you squeeze fruit, when you squeeze a lemon, you get the juice. When you crack the eggshell, you get the egg from within. It's in the crushing that the beauty is revealed. I was blessed to go to Mauritius uh, just after Yvonne and I got married, and uh, beautiful place. Got to see where she was born, where she grew up, and got to meet her extended family and, uh, you know, learn uh, all of the cultural ways that I was very unaware of, and it was awesome. It was a beautiful time, but we went to the, on this one uh, day trip to a tea plantation, and uh, we're walking around, and we're watching how they make this beautiful, uh, is it, what's the, is it, Bon Cherie, the tea brand? Boisserie, yeah, Boisserie, this tea brand is beautiful. So many different flavors and walking around and watching the whole process. It's an incredible process to, to get what we uh, have as, as tea in its finished product. And we're walking around and we get to this one spot where they, they weigh the, the bags to make sure there's the right weight and amount in the bags. And we all got a chance to stand on these giant big scales and, you know, everyone had their go and then I stood on it and the guy's like, oh, lion man. I'm, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm like big and tough and strong. And I was probably like head and shoulders above most of them. And uh, anyway, I'm not super tall. I, I pray for height, but it, um, it stopped. And uh, anyways, um, I'm standing there and now he made me feel good. It's like, call me a lion. It's like, any guy is going to feel, you know, pretty good after being called a, a lion. And he's like, lion man. I'm like, yeah, that's right, lion man, come on. I'm like, get back on the scale. Uh, you know, it was really good anyways. I was, I was having a bit of a high moment. And uh, so he'd perk me all up and I'm enjoying it. I'm with my new wife and, you know, honeymoon island and doing all these things and walking around. And then the next question, you know, he brings out is like, what's the, what's the best form of, of tea? what, I'm on a high right now, so I'm jumping in first, I'm answering all his questions, and you know, proud British history, and I'm like, well, of course, it's the the tea leaves, you know, the loose leaves get to brew them in the pot, and just enjoy, you know, that aroma, and just let it rest, and spin the teapot around a couple of times, and dump it in, put it back if it's not strong enough, and it's just the fun part, it's like, leaves, loose leaves, that's what I was told, no, Shut down, wrong, 100% wrong, he said. I'm like, oh, it's like, you know, no beating around the bush with this guy from Lion Man to 100% wrong. He's like, no, the tea bag. I'm like, oh, I thought that was like pop. I was like, loose leaves, like that's where it's at. And he's like, no, the tea bag, because it's the most refined. It's gone through the most processing, the most crushing, the most grinding, so you get the most flavor out of the leaves. I'm like, oh, man, my, my, my dad set me up for fail here in this moment. <laughs> Produced a lion man that knows nothing about tea. It's like, I haven't told him that, actually. He's probably hurt his British feelings. Anyways, because it's more refined 
and it's endured more crushing and shredding and tearing, more surface area of that leaf is now accessible. So what is one leaf is now probably broken up into thousands of tiny little bits. So you get more of what has the ability to produce. It was only after the woman Mary broke the jar of alabaster perfume and poured it all over Jesus' head and feet that the washing was made beautiful. The act of breaking open her heart, her tears pouring led to a powerful moment. Her previous lifestyle had produced the finance to purchase the perfume, but it was the breaking open of the jar that contained the fruit of her labor poured out that enabled her to forgive herself, to not be ashamed anymore of her past, but the breaking open, the exposing of who she was, it freed her of her past. The letting go of her own way and pouring it all out over Jesus set her up to receive from Jesus her full love and protection. What every man had taken away from her was now being given back to her. Jesus allowed her act to release her of her shame, and he defended her. Church, when we break, we are generous. We don't hold back anymore, we find freedom. When we give, it activates an overflow, an abundance. What freely we have received, freely we must give. What is once had a stronghold on your life, is dealt with by the love of Jesus Christ. What was hidden and dark and something you had to carry around with you is now broken and poured out and useful to God. Mary would be spoken of, Scripture says, for all the time to come. Her story would be used for all time because of her love for Jesus. You know, if you, if you, try, and, if you try and keep your shell if you try and build those walls up, if you try and maintain the facade, what's within you can't come out. The goal is not to be crushed. The goal is to just fully surrender to God. Allow God to do what God wants to do in your life. Allow God to do what God wants to do in your life. God, I think sometimes is trying to come around us and he's, he's trying to hug us, but we've, we've started to build up walls or, or we, we're going over here because I can achieve this and I can do that and now I'm, well, I'm called to this now so I'm going to go over here and that and, and God's trying to step in and He's trying to come. He's trying to wrap you up. He's trying to embrace you. He's trying to spend time with you. He wants to hug you. Jesus said that we should pray as Abba Father which literally translates to Daddy. You don't say Daddy when you get older, do you? <laughs> It's like, I don't call my dad, daddy. I don't call him, I call him father or a number of other nicknames or, you know, the boss man or something. But, but Jesus cried out, Abba, father, daddy. There's an intimacy that God wants with us. Holding it all together contains what he wants to pour out. Can our strength ever equate to what God can do through us? If you can do it, then is it really worth doing? If you can do your life and achieve your life, then I want to put to you that you probably haven't stepped into what God has for your life yet. 
Because if you're achieving it, then you're not using the strength of God, which means you're not seeing miracles. It means you're not seeing the power of God move. It means that you're probably not doing what God has called you to do. Is the time you've been given used for the best? Can I encourage you? God wants to use us. He wants to produce. He wants to multiply. He wants to increase the kingdom. Amen? Paul could have turned back to Saul, but yet Paul did not want to be Saul any longer. He didn't want to be the old man. He didn't want to be the old Saul because the old Saul was awful. You know, Paul went through this incredible journey from from being so self-righteous and self-made and thinking he knew it all. Paul got to a place where he said, if I can boast in anything at all, I will boast only about my weaknesses because then his strength is made perfect. Weakness. Why do we shy away from what God can do? Why do we try and hide what God doesn't want us to contain? He knows about it anyway. Why do we try to keep it all together? Is is being strong the goal? Don't be proud. God opposes the proud. Gives grace to the humble and he gives it generously. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12. We'll read this together, verses 1 to 10. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know, only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from being coming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Self-made, self-righteous, yet so caught up it led to murder. So caught up in his own abilities and his own strength that led to murder and persecution. Pride unchecked will always lead to destruction. It took Jesus to encounter him and to crush him and to take him through a process of revealing who he had become without God, but who he could be with God inside of him. Aged, matured, and in wisdom, Paul was able to achieve what was truly on his life. The goal is not weakness either. The goal is not to boast in your weaknesses and that's all you boast in. No, the the goal is to boast in the glory of God. The goal is to boast in, despite my weakness, look at what God has done. Despite my weakness, I struggle with this. 
but look at what God uses me for. I, I, I've seen that, but look at what God has, has allowed me to declare. I, I, I struggle over here with this and that and like all of the greats of Scripture, but look at how God used them. We are not the tail. We are crushed but not destroyed. God is for you. So who can be against you? Come on, we've been chosen to reveal Jesus to the world, not to bottle him up. This woman's story would never have made it to Scripture if she had not cared less about what those around her would think. She had been healed. She'd been set free. She'd been forgiven. And she was going to love Jesus no matter what. She didn't care about all the protocols. She didn't care about what everyone around her would think of her. She was going to throw herself at the feet of Jesus and she was going to love on him until her heart's content. She was going to make sure that Jesus knew how much she loved him because she knew how much she had been forgiven. Sometimes I think it's a little bit healthy for us to recognize what life would be like if we didn't have Jesus in it. Just imagine where life could go without Jesus in it. You know, I think about our time this weekend coming. Can I suggest to you that maybe, maybe this weekend over the summit is your perfect opportunity to allow God to do a work on you, to continue the good work that He has started, to continue doing the work that He really wants to do in your life, the time to surrender to your King. time to surrender to your Lord, a time to surrender to your master, a time to give to the one who loves you, the lover of your soul, the one who desires you, forgives you. Friends, allow the work that God wants to do in your life, allow it. Let me give you a couple of verses around weaknesses to encourage you. Hebrews 4 verses 15 to 16, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Philippians 1.6, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Isaiah 40.29, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Romans 8.26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Sometimes I, I find myself in prayer when I'm really going through something. I'm just, all I can say is, Jesus, can I encourage you? That's all you need to say. You cry out the name of Jesus. You get into a physical situation, cry out the name of Jesus because everything submits to that powerful name. If you need healing in your life, if you need freedom in your life, then Jesus can do it for you. Sometimes, you know, in those moments where you get to the, the dark hour of your, your night, the dark hour of the soul, and you start to question things, can I encourage you? Even in those moments when you can't even conjure up strength to pray, 
can I encourage you, Jesus can pray on your behalf, because it says that's what he's doing. He's seated in heavenly places, interceding for you and I, so let him allow him to do the work on your life that he wants to do. Can I get the band to come back up this morning, please? Church, family, we need to surrender our lives fully to God. If you haven't surrendered in a while, if you haven't bowed the knee before your king in, in a while, can I encourage you to do so and do so soon, to respond to the love that was poured out for us. When we surrender, can I encourage you, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. When we surrender, God is able to apply the controlled pressure, the crushing, the right amount of crushing. Walk through it. Allow Him to do, to do allow Him to produce the perfect and pleasing will in your life. Church, it is in the crushing of the olive that the oil begins to flow. It is in the crushing of the oil that the anointing begins to flow. It is in the crushing of the grape that the new wine is released. It is in the crushing of the grape that the old is made new, the stagnant is refreshed, the empty is filled once again. You know, the greatest of surrenders was God's crush on you. When He loved the whole world so much that He gave His one and only Son, He sent Jesus on your behalf for you. It was in the crushing of Jesus that healing was made possible. It was in the crushing of Jesus that salvation was born again. It was in the crushing of Jesus that our life eternal was redeemed. It was in the crushing of the serpent by the heel of Jesus that victory over death is our reward. It was in the crushing of Jesus that Satan was defeated. We are victorious. Jesus was crushed on our behalf. Jesus was crushed so that you and I could have healing and life now and be restored in this moment. Jesus was crushed so that you and I could live forever. What have we done to deserve love like this? What have you and I done to deserve love like this.